0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: Hello, Raider Nation. Welcome to the Believe in Raiders podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Dennis Sackerman. Please be joined by former Raider great Stanford Rout. Stan, how we doing?
0: Pretty good, pretty good, man. Uh, we finally uh, we're we'll winding down to what's already the end of the preseason. Seemed like it just started last week, so uh, you know what's coming next. Uh, we got regular season games coming up in a, in a couple weeks. We do indeed. But the
1: Raiders wrap up preseason on Saturday against the Dallas Cowboys. Saying so far the defenses look pretty good, but let's remember it is just preseason.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Okay, five <laughs> exactly five sacks, three turnovers now. Stanley, earlier we looked at the Raiders' offense, so let's focus on the defense for this podcast. So let's start with the defensive line. We know Max Crosby and Chandler Jones are going to be on the end. Law well, uh-huh. Nichols and Jerry Tillery likely starting at the two defensive tackle spots. Uh, then the reserves. You've got Tyree Wilson, the seventh pick overall in the draft. Jordan Willis, Matthew Butler, Neil Farrell Jr. Neil Farrell Jr. Beg your pardon. We got Malcolm Kuntz. So Stan, I ask you, is this group better than the one? From a year ago, which had 27 sacks, which
0: ranked near the bottom of the league. Is it the same? What do you say? I would probably go ahead and just say that it's a wash. I'd probably say it's the same. Uh, The only way that it could be better is if we see a huge uptick in production from Tyree Wilson, uh, the number seven pick in the draft, as you just alluded to that. To me, it's the linchpin on whether this is going to be a better pass rush, or it's going to be the same, or lesser than it was last year. Obviously, we know what Chandler Jones is. He still has a little bit of tread left on the tire, not as much. Obviously, his best days are behind him. Uh, Max Crosby, one of the best defensive ends in the league, making All-Pro honors, and I think it's really just going to come down to um, it's going to come down to Tyree Wilson.
1: Dan, I think I'm going to be a little bit more. How about cautiously optimistic as about this group we mentioned? Uh, Crosby, obviously one of the best in the business. Now, Chandler Jones uh, has reported lighter to camp this year. Malcolm Coontz has been getting some good reviews in camp as well. Let's hope Tyree Wilson is the seventh overall pick. Stan, give me an over-under. Somebody drafted that high. Give me an over-under on what you expect sack
0: total from him. Oh, you talking about individually or are you yes. talking about
1: as a unit? Now I want to talk about individual first. From a guy who's drafted seventh, who's expected... He's likely not going to start behind Jones. You know, he's going to come off the bench behind Jones and Max Crosby. Give me an over under on what you think the sack total would be this season.
0: Oh, uh, my expectations. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. What I what I think what I think he's what I think his number is going to be, or what expectations are.
1: What do you think he's capable of putting up?
0: I would say I think he's capable of putting up. And I would go with the over under. Let's go ahead and say seven and a half
1: is the over under. Well, that would be more than Chandler Jones put up a year ago. And as I mentioned earlier, this defense produced just 27 sacks. Uh, that number is going to have to go up. And I mean, way yes. up for, for this, about it. For this because, group. Go ahead, because
0: Shane. I can tell you, DA, if you're taking number seven overall, you're expected to be playing at a high level. We look at Chase Young a couple years ago. I believe he was what? The number two pick in the draft out of Ohio State. You see the Nick Bosa Draft of 2019, I believe. When you're drafted that high, top 10, you're expected to pay dividends right away as a rookie. Not necessarily that you got to go to the Pro Bowl, but you need to be playing at a level where it's it's not out of the realm of possibility that you're selected to a Pro Bowl. All right,
1: we'll get to the rest of the defense in a moment. Let's get to our sponsorship reading. And Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BLEEVE for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game Starts. All right, Stan, let's talk about your old position, cornerback. And, Stan, right now I feel like we can pencil in Nate Hobbs as a starting uh, in the slot, but then you yeah. look at – I call them reserves. I don't know. Then there's everybody else. I guess we've got Marcus Peters. you got the fourth-round mm-hmm. uh, fourth pick, uh, Jacorian Bennett, out of uh, – beg your pardon, out of uh, Maryland. you got David yep. Long Jr., Brandon Faison, who was re-signed. you got Tyler Hall, Sam Webb, Amik Robertson, duke Shelley, i uh, stan pick me out a couple other starters from that group and tell me
0: how oh, i would go ahead and happen? say uh, nate nate hobbs uh marcus peters and i would probably go with emic robertson uh it's the the reserve the nickelback and then uh Jacory and bennett somebody that uh probably is going to get some reps this year just because of obviously where it was drafted and then you go and factor in how it's it's not deep back there. So that would probably be my top guys, Nate Hobbs, Marcus Peters, Amic Robertson, and um, and then uh, Ja'Cory Bennett. All right, Stan, so let's look at the group. Tell me, is it the same? Is it better? Or is it worse than 2022's group? Oh, well, hopefully it's going to be better just off of the simple fact that you have Marcus Peters, somebody that is more of a ball hawking type of corner, obviously takes chances. So he gets beat his fair share of times, or should I say more than his fair share of times. But just simply having somebody that has that type of mindset in the back end, I think that that will be what I think that'll bode well for this uh, for this cornerback group to try to get some hands on some more balls and try to make more plays and hopefully create some more turnovers for this defense that we're already expecting to not necessarily be at the top of the heap when it comes to talent production and as we already talked about in the first segment, not necessarily getting as many sacks up front.
1: Dan, this group—I
0: mean, you look at it. Like I said, they just have the six picks from a year ago. As a as
1: a unit, the Raiders had just thirteen turnovers. Uh, you know, you mentioned the Marcus Peters, David Long started just ten games in four seasons. Uh at the fourth round pick out of Maryland, he's been have reportedly had a seamless transition into these workouts. And then Duke Shelley, he started only eleven games in four seasons. So, I mean, Stan, to me, you got Hobbs as a playmaker, and I don't know if. You know, Peters at one time was a playmaker, so we're just going to uh-huh. have to wait and see uh, on, on this group. So uh, let's go ahead now and move on to the linebackers. You got uh, Divine Diablo, uh, Robert Spillane, who came over as a free agent. He had signed. Uh, he was with, previously with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and then Luke Masterson, uh, who spent some time on the field towards the end of the season for the Raiders, and some of the reserves, Darian Butler, Amari Bernie, and Curtis Bolton. Um, Stan, once again, you look at this group, I'm kind of scratching my head right now because are there any playmakers here? Is it the same? I mean, last year we had Denzel Perriman in the middle, so
0: same, worse, better? Uh, I, take think a flyer? It, <laughs> I, I think it remains to be seen. Like, I, I would probably go ahead and venture off to say that it's probably going to be uh lesser uh, than it was last year, just because, like you said, you got Denzel Perriman. He was a tackling machine, and I think that this group right here obviously has some ability, but as a cohesive unit, it remains to be seen as far as what they can be. So the jury is going to be out until they actually go ahead and prove that, especially for Raider Nation.
1: Yeah, Perriman,
0: he signed with the Texans, and Spillane the Raiders, gave him a
1: two-year deal worth $7 million. I mean, there's no question that they're going to miss. Uh, he was the best player, I think, on that defense. And the, Ra- the Raiders are basically banking on Spillane. He's only 27. Uh, let's see if he's more durable than Perriman, who missed at least uh, five games in the past couple of seasons yeah. <clears> for <from> the <throat> Silver and Black. Um, Stan, let's talk about the safety. the, the back end now, the, Trayvon Merrick is back for another year. It's his third season. We know Marcus Epps, they signed as a free agent from the Philadelphia Eagles. You got Chris Smith, uh, Roderick Teamer. Uh They're coming back as well. What do you think of this group?
0: Uh, I think that it's pretty much the same uh the same boat. I just remains to be seen. Obviously, Trevon Mulrig, somebody that's been a Las Vegas Raider somebody that's showing promise. He's made some plays. Obviously, he needs to take another big step this year for this defense to really be formidable. And then we see Marcus Epps coming over from the Philadelphia Eagles, obviously NFC C-Title game, losing in the Super Bowl to the Kansas City Chiefs. So he's going to bring a certain pedigree. He's going to bring a certain level of experience playing in the big games that hopefully he'll be able to go ahead and allow some of that knowledge and experience to permeate with a lot of other guys in the back end, not just for safety, but for cornerback as well. But once again, like I said, you know how Raider Nation is. It's all about what have you done in the black and silver. That's what everybody's going to be waiting to see. So I think for so many positions, for so many units on this defense, it's just going to come down to a wait-and-see type of dynamic.
1: You know, I think Mary, I still, I still don't think the Raiders know what they have in him. He's entering his third season. I thought he was pretty darn good his rookie season, and then uh-huh. like the rest of the defense a year ago, I thought he took a step back. And that gets me to defensive coordinator Patrick Graham. Stan, I'll give him a pass for last year. I mean, this defense just did not have a lot of talent. They had a lot of injuries towards the end of the year, and there were a lot of guys on the field that shouldn't even be playing in the league. So, it, I'll give him a pass from a year ago. But then you take a look at this season. I don't know how much his defense. Has improved from a year ago, so how much pressure is he under here in year two, or does he get another pass because there's still so many unknowns with this unit?
0: I'm not really sure he's going to get another pass. I think that uh, if the defense does not take any sort of a step forward this year, he probably will not be back for the Las Vegas Raiders in the 2024 season, just because you and I both know it's a, what have you done for me lately type of business. So you can have a Max Crosby. You can have a Chandler Jones. You can have a Marcus Peters, although aging Marcus Peters in the back end, you could have a young high draft pick with a Tyree Wilson, but you're going to have to put something down actually on paper, put something down on the field where the Raiders actually take some version of a jump upward in the standings, maybe not the standings, but just within the defensive rankings uh, coming into this season as far as getting after the quarterback, sacks, turnovers, making plays on the ball, something. There's going to have to be some sort of positive spin for Josh McDaniels to even think about bringing back Patrick Graham next year in 2024 just because you know the nature of this business. What have you done for me lately? Oh, you haven't done anything for me lately? Well, you know what? Here's your pink slip.
1: Yes, Stan. with the Raiders, you six picks, six of their nine picks on the defensive side of the football uh, in, in the draft. And I, I kind of look at it this way, Stan. I always feel like when you have so many new faces in the beginning, you're going to struggle a little bit. Guys trying to find their way to learn their position. And towards the middle, towards the end of the season, is that where we're going to see progress? Are guys going to get better? Is the defense going to create more turnovers? Are they going to create more sacks? And that's where I think you need to see the improvement from this group. I'm not expecting a lot early on, but towards the middle of the season and towards the end of the season, are they showing improvement? Is this unit getting better? Obviously, it's a long season, and it's a long wait and see. We'll yeah. see where it goes from you know goes from there. Uh, we are taping this podcast on a Wednesday night, and Stan, you and I were just talking uh, before we started. Vic Taffer, the athletic reporting, the Dolphins reached out to the Raiders, wanted to check on the availability of holdout Josh Jacobs. The Raiders said thanks, but no thanks. Uh, Stan, we're going to see Josh Jacobs in week one.
0: Your thoughts? I mean, you better see me in week one. You may not see him on the football field, but maybe he's in street clothes on the sideline or something like that just because, just like we're talking off air, after the July 17th, July 16th deadline passes, You have to play on the franchise tag. You have to play on that one-year deal. We see Saquon Barkley. Obviously, they went ahead and kind of reworked it a little bit with incentives, money up front, things like that. But it's still a one-year deal. So if you're Josh Jacobs and you're not going to play the first couple of games of the season, well, what are you really holding out for? You can't get a long-term contract just by the CBA rules. So you might as well go ahead and come to work because – At this position, the running back position that is extremely depressed right now, and I don't see any signals, I don't see any reasons that it's going to all of a sudden go back on an uptick. That's why I think for that position, even more so than any other position, you definitely want to make sure that you get your money. You want to make sure that you get everything that's coming to you this season because we look at the Le'Veon Bell situation from a couple of years ago. It is not a guarantee. It is not any stretch of any imagination that you're going to even potentially see the 10 point whatever million he signed for for the franchise tag that you're going to be seeing that for a per year average on a long term contract or just even that much in one season again for a running back, which is very unfortunate but that's the nature of the position. That's the nature of the market right now. So you definitely do not want to leave any money on the table if you're Josh Jacobs.
1: Well, Raider Nation sure, certainly hopes they see Josh Jacobs in uniform to open the season at Denver uh, week one. All right, Stan, I want to move on now. And I want to talk about something in terms of when it comes to guys trying to make the 53-man roster. And you know I've kind of talked about this uh, in previous seasons. But I was listening to John Harbaugh after – Uh, the Ravens lost on Monday night to Washington. And he was talking about, you know what? He goes, these games aren't meaningless. They had won 24 in a row. And he said, yeah, maybe in wins and losses, uh, they're meaningless because they don't count in the regular season. And Stan, I've even told you, oh, these games are meaningless. They don't mean anything. But you know what, Stan? There's 90 guys, and there's only 53 spots available. Mm -hmm. And most of those spots are already spoken for. And we've expanded the practice squad. So let's just say 15 right there. Stan, 22 guys are going to be out of a job. Absolutely. And, and I think it's easy for us to sit back from afar and say, okay, these guys are, these games are meaningless. Who, who really cares about the wins and losses? But, Stan, you've seen it from the other side where guys are busting their butts every single day in practice. And you used to have two-a-days. And mm-hmm. now I know the rules are a lot different. But can you just talk to that perspective of guys who, you know what, this is their livelihood. This is their job. They're going out there busting their butt every practice and what these preseason games mean to guys like that.
0: Oh, man, it means everything. That's their opportunity. So you got guys that are trying to make the squad on special teams that are going down there as a gunner or as a holdup guy or on kickoff and things like that. So th- it means everything to them because that's the only way that they're going to make the team. So if you do away with all of the preseason games, the only rookies that will make the team are the guys that are drafted first, second, or third round. So, yeah, everything that you just said is spot on. And Coach Harbaugh saying that, yeah, it may be meaningless in the win-loss column because they don't count. But for those guys that are trying to make the team, oh, that's that's their Super Bowl. Uh, so this final week of the preseason coming up, you're going to see a lot of guys that are giving 150% out there on that football field because they know that if they don't play well in this final preseason game, they won't be back after the, you know, the day, the final cut day or whatever you want to call it, whatever that day is, they know that they won't be there to start off the season. And they want to make sure that when and if they decide that, okay, we don't want this this these guys on our team, that you want to make sure that you put enough good film out there, that way all 31 other teams We'll see. You know what? That number thirty-three right there. He's a good player. Let's go ahead and sign him on our practice squad or sign him on our to our active roster. So it's definitely like the Super Bowl for a lot of guys coming up this weekend. Yeah, you don't have to mention any
1: names. but Have you ever seen somebody just basically can't handle emotionally, whether they they break down and cry
0: or or get very angry? Have you ever seen yes. that? Yes, yes, I've seen that. And, and it's a it, and it's a very it's a it's a very sobering feeling just because at some point in time, and I remember hearing this from older guys, at some point in time, there's going to come a day where your boss tells you don't come to work tomorrow. So it's one of those things that, as a player, you never laugh at the guy or make fun of him or of any sense because you know that that could very well be you one day. And I remember how Back in 2012, after the 2011 season, I remember the Indianapolis Colts. I remember they cut this guy uh, by the name of Peyton Manning. And I remember how every player in the league, if this was during the offseason when this happened. And so many guys were on Twitter at the time. And like, they would say, man, you know what? Peyton Manning just got cut. Man, let me go work out. Let me go to the gym and go, you know, get a workout in because it just goes to show that it's going to come a day where your boss is going to tell you don't come to work tomorrow. I don't care who you are. I don't care how good you are. I don't care if you have a Hall of Fame career. I don't care. None of that. It's going to come a day where your boss is going to be kind of, hey, man, um, you know, it, it, you know it's okay if you don't really want to uh, come back next year. It's okay. Like, that's going to happen. So it's something that it always puts things in perspective. So, uh, yes, I've definitely seen guys break down and cry just because you think about it, man, like, You've been working for something your whole life, middle school, high school, college, and now all of a sudden you get signed as an undrafted free agent to an NFL team. And you know, because your agent, your family, everybody knows, okay, you're not drafted, you're undrafted, so you have to make the team. And here you are every day busting your butt, trying to make the team on special teams, trying to make sure that you get extra film in the meet room. Oh, yeah. By the way, you don't get a chance to take a day off or take a veteran day or something like that. You got to practice every day. And you're not used to it because you just got out of college. So the workload is starting to be taxing on your body. Guess what? You got a preseason game coming up. Coach is not going to give you a pass because you're a little bit sore from the from all the practices compounding on one another. So you're not able to run full speed on kickoff or gunner. Coach ain't going to give you a pass for that. So everything then reaches a crescendo. Where now all of a sudden the GM comes up and says, Hey, uh, coach wants to see you, bring your playbook. So you already know what's about to happen. And yeah, for a lot of guys, that emotional roller coaster just comes to a head. And it's the frustration, it's emotions, it's a little bit of anger, it's a little bit of fear because now, okay, I'm now getting cut. I don't know where my next move is. I don't know if somebody's going to pick me up. Am I not going to have to go back and just, you know, sell insurance uh, to make ends meet? I don't know what I'm going to do. So you're, it, it, you're going through a roller coaster, a cornucopia of emotions whenever that's going on. So it's definitely something that you feel for the guy because you know that it's just not completely impossible for you to ever find yourself in that situation.
1: And do you remember that moment when you realized your NFL career was over?
0: Oh, man. Uh, yeah, I actually do. <laughs> and, yeah, I can tell you every player goes through this. It doesn't matter what type of career you had. It don't matter how good, how bad. Every player goes through that. And I remember reading a book uh, one time, and it was titled All Athletes Die Twice. And the thing is, is that there's going to come a time where your career as an entertainer. An athlete, player, whatever, it's going to come to an end. And it's something that it's much like a death in the family. You got to go ahead. You have to have the funeral, have the wake. You got to mourn it. You got to go ahead and accept it. And that's how you're able to then move on from it. But you're going to go through a period of, I don't like to say it, but for lack of a better term, you're going to go through your own version of a depression. You are. Because you're no longer Stanford route football player. You're not just Stanford route. That's it. And it's like going from Superman back to car Kent. And for a lot of people, they, 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 they get so intoxicated on that Superman. And now you got to go back to car Kent. And for a lot of people, that's where they forget who they really were or never knew who they were to begin with. Outside of the football pads and the helmet, so it's definitely something that is a uh, it's it's definitely something that's a process for everybody. But yes, to answer your question, yes, I remember vividly.
1: All right, final topic on tonight's podcast, and I want to talk about the Hard Knocks and the New York Jets. I've been watching it uh, since since it uh, started, and one thing I find about this team, they're very arrogant, uh, they're very cocky. <laughs> uh, I feel like they won the offseason. Obviously, they got Aaron Rodgers signed. Is pal, Randall Cobb, the wide receiver. Uh, they just got uh, Dalvin Cook signed as a one-year deal at running back. So I feel like, yeah, all right, they had a great offseason. They won the offseason. This is a great defense. There's no doubt about it. But, Stan, I, show me on the field. Show me what you can do <laughs> on the field before you're ready to crown yourselves uh, AFC East champions and whatever kind of run you could make in the AFC. Because let me tell you something, that AFC is loaded. And yes, I think the is. AFC East is also very competitive and who knows, it might get one team in and it might get three teams in. So uh, your, your thoughts on the New York jets and what you have seen.
0: Uh, I think that, you know, man, like uh, obviously, Uh, You see the guys like Aaron Rodgers, the veterans, they're not exactly just drinking the Kool-Aid because Aaron Rodgers knows that, hey man, listen, we mess around and we come out this gate one and two or one and three, everybody who's throwing bouquets of flowers at us, they're going to be dumping something else on us uh, real soon, especially with that New York media, that New York market. So guys like that, they understand it. I think for the young guys looking at how you now have an Aaron Rodgers in the fold He is seemingly the missing piece because everything you heard last year, man, the Jets are so loaded. They have such a good roster. They got a really good defense. All they're missing is a quarterback. So it's almost kind of like back when you're in middle school, you know, like it's like putting a puzzle together. Oh, okay, uh, I put everything together. We're just missing one piece. So guess what? If we just fill that missing piece, everything else has to be flying off all cylinders. Not exactly. Maybe the defense is going to take a step back this year. Maybe the offensive line won't be able to protect Aaron Rodgers. There's a myriad of things that happen from year to year that it doesn't always just mean, okay, let's go ahead, take this out, plug this in, bada-boom, bada-bing, bada-boom. It, it doesn't work like that. And I think that for the younger guys, that's how they think it works. For the older guys, the veterans, Randall Cobb, he knows, hey, man, like, We won the Super Bowl in 2010. The very next year, 2011, we won 15-1, and lost in our first game of the playoffs to the New York Giants in the divisional round because we had a first-round bye. So it doesn't always work like that. You don't always have that same magic from year to year. It's definitely going to be something to watch to see how it all unfolds. I think the Jets are going to be good this year. I don't know if they're going to be great. I don't know if they're making the playoffs, but I do think that they're going to be a good team because they have way too many good players to just simply be 3-14 and or somebody like that that's going to be having a top-10 pick in the draft. But it's definitely going to be very interesting with that New York media. We know that Aaron Rodgers is as great as he is. There's times where A-Rod... Just He he don't feel like dealing with the media. He gets a little prickly. He gets a little bit in his feelings or just a little bit um, passive-aggressive. And then, obviously, Robert Sala. If the Jets don't win this year, it's no guarantee that he's going to be back next year. So it's got, a, it's got a lot of moving parts to it this year with the New York Jets, and it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays
1: out. You know, Stan watching Hard Knocks, sometimes I can't help but wonder, I mean, with, what the Jets gave up to get him, and then he takes the uh, big, huge pay cut. I'm like, should the Raiders have gone in on him? I mean, I think the Jets are more talented than the Raiders. I think that, you know, Absolutely. They're, they're more ready to win. And I'm thinking the Raiders, even though they won't come out and publicly say it, I feel like they're still uh, in a rebuild mode. But I do yep. allow myself at times to wonder what what if if the Raiders went after Aaron Rodgers. But we'll never know that because he is a New York Jet and the Raiders have Jimmy G, who actually got some playing time against the, uh, against the L.A. Rams. It looked pretty good in his uh, first and only likely preseason appearance. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast presented by betonline.ag. For my partner, Stanford Raptors, I'm Dennis Ackerman. May all your punts find the coffin corner.